Switchblade Sisters, where women get together to slice and dice our favorite action and genre films. I'm April Wolf. Every week I invite a new female filmmaker on a writer, director... Wait, I've got a confession to make. I usually read a script. (laughs) I usually come in... I've got a 13-page script. I'm ready. I know exactly what I'm going to say. I know how I'm going to maneuver a conversation. Today, we're doing a bonus episode, and I'm uh, flying without a net here. <laughs> there's, uh, there's no harness. There's nothing. There's no paper in front of me to shuffle. Um, I've got... I've got nothing. It's fairly uh, disconcerting for a woman like me who has high anxiety, uh, uh, OCD, and manic depressive disorders. Just really no idea what I'm doing here. Uh, But the thing is, I do have a little bit of a safety net. Um, Because for this bonus episode, I actually have uh, three friends here, three friends in the studio who can help support me as I have no idea where we're going to go. It's, I'm sweating already. It's a lot. <laughs> but I'd like to introduce three of my friends here. Um, first, I've got an old standard, a beautiful, a beautiful Midwestern being, uh, a gorgeous creature yes. of the night. Yes. <laughs> a re- reasonable hours of night. Yes. About 10 p.m. is yes. when you... yes. <laughs> the early evening. Yes, uh, I take the early pumpkin. Uh, you may recognize this voice. It is the hilarious Drea Clark. Hi, April. It's so wonderful. I've been working on my like lock hold, so if you fall, I will catch you. Oh my god! And also, I really hope everyone refers to me as old standard from now on, <laughs> like old dude. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I have to talk about cats on yeah. any any moment I can. Old dude, because yeah, because Dre apparently hates the movie, and I love it. So, but I love cats. <laughs> All right, it balances out. <laughs> Uh, um, thank you for having me here. I really appreciate you showing up on a Sunday morning. With your morning. trust fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my, my next um, safety net here, um, you may recognize her from Who Shot Ya, uh, and she's a great writer and critic, and uh, her name is Joelle Monique. Hey, I also love Cats, but not the new movie. <laughs> what it the fuck? It scares me. <laughs> I don't We're not making her feel very safe yet. Oh, my, oh God. my gosh. I'm feeling like I'm sweating so much. Uh, like, did we not cover their this skin beforehand? Suit, cockroaches dancing. Listen, as someone Ugh. who just got out of a horrible housing situation, I didn't need cockroaches rubbed in my face like that. Oh, God. The cockroaches oh. were a step too far. It's too much. Too much. Oh, my God. Oh, well, here. luckily, I've got a third guest as oh, a man. safety net because I'm hoping she that she's going to pull through on this. Oh, God. So you may recognize uh, her from Vox, her podcast Arden, and so many other other things that she's been doing for this life of criticism and writing. And this is Emily Vanderwerf. Hi. Hi, April. I love cats, both film and oh, animal. Oh my god! So, <laughs> we are two versus two here, not to derail <laughs> us entirely, but yes. God, I think I really needed that. On this side of the room, yes. <laughs> yeah. she saved you for last for a reason. I, I saw, I saw the critic screening of Cats, and we, it all felt like we were just continually falling through the floor of how deep down the movie would go into yeah. just utter bonkersness. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it kind of felt like you know, you saying the word "falling," you know, like the the soundtrack to a Twin Peaks, which is like, yes, the Julie Cruz. 
that that's a, a perfect rendition yeah that's great um i had these three lovely ladies in here to talk to me um about something that i love that's not cats that's not cats that is a little bit cheese though you know mm. definitely 80s also yes so born from that time period um it is murder she wrote again yes. as we did oh, with our last God. bonus episode and uh, the episode that i chose for everyone to watch today is a personal favorite and it is murder takes the bus and it is from season one, which is a gleaming season. There are some lackluster ones. I, I can even admit that. They're doing 24 episodes a fucking season. Yeah. They're hour-long dramas. It's it's a lot. <laughs> um, so, you know, some might lag a little than, more than others. There were times when Angela Lansbury took breaks, you know, because she was just like, this is a lot. Yes. Yeah. 24 hours of one hour television, like that film schedule, forget it. When yeah. she's mm-hmm. she's like the only one on screen a lot and of she, the time. Yeah, she's yeah. like in every shot. Yeah. Almost, I mean, not really. This is but not she's, like Columbo where Peter Falk is just like, well, I'll let the character actors take over most of the yeah, time. Like she's holding down the entire fort. Half of the... these episodes are just Angela Lansbury reaction shots <laughs> or a shot of her noticing something and then a cutaway to what she's noticing so that we remember it for later. It's kind of shocking to yes. me how there aren't more memes of Angela Lansbury just reacting in Murder, She Wrote oh, that's true. that are like crazy popular because in this episode alone, there's probably like six real good ones. The reaction yes. to the murder was <sighs> pristine. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. So... We're we're getting into this. Let's let's go through this Wait, episode. Let's explain first, this episode. You made a comment before we started because they're all like, "Oh, we're proud public transportation makers mm-hmm. takers," and you were like, "Oh yeah, that's part of why I chose this, and I need to know what that is." Well, because I take the bus, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're always expecting murder. I I love the bus. I love old Agatha Christie stories. I love the kind of contained single room kind of murder thing that happens mm-hmm. and. And Agatha Christie, you know, was possibly the best of her time doing that. And this film very clearly is, you know, um, riffing on like um, uh, Death on the Nile. You know, yes. it is it, you're in this place with these people. There's a limited number of people who could have committed this murder um, and everyone's got their reasons and someone might be connected. And it's also um, a callback to um, uh, Angela Lansbury because she did star in the movie as a fabulously drunk older woman in uh, Death on the Nile and is so good in it and so clearly loves that type of thing that they bring it into a more uh, relatable thing. <laughs> like, yeah. They're just like working class people version of Death on the Nile is just like, yeah, we're taking the bus to Portland, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> it broke down at a diner. Yeah. But before we get into that, we should probably go through a quick synopsis of yeah. the episode. And I'm going to try to do this from memory. And I need you guys, my trust fall people, if I forget something, tell me what I forgot. Got it. Okay, so they're all on the bus. Jessica and Amos, um, uh, Sheriff Tupper, uh, who is played by Tom Bosley, 
Uh, they are taking the bus from Cabot Cove to Portland, Maine, because Sheriff Tupper has a uh, a dinner, uh, you know, like a law enforcement dinner, and he has to speak. But there's also a raffle, and he's like real excited about a raffle and stuffing himself. Like he's just like food, <laughs> she's food, gonna food. Speak. She's gonna speak. Yeah, that's right. And he's gonna, she's gonna speak. TV. She's gonna speak. He's looking forward to that sweet ass buffet, and it's, and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> the Maine Sheriff's Association lays out the finest spread east of the Allegheny. Oh, Amos. Anyway, we'll be there in time for the drawing. They're giving away a big screen TV, and I got a feeling it's my lucky night. On the bus with them is a the like an older man who's also the kind of guy who's just like, think it's gonna rain today. You smell that air. It'll rain in 20 minutes. You watch. And it he, does rain. <laughs> that you know? guy is 100 percent playing the stage manager from old town or from our town. <laughs> oh, right? wow. Like he's doing the accent. He's like. Looks like it's going to rain today. He sort of sounds like a Simpsons character when they're like, chowder, say it, Frenchie. Yes. I mean, he's He's the stage manager from our town. He is perfect for this role, is what I'm saying. Um, So the, uh, okay, they get on the bus. There's also a couple on the bus. One of the couple is Linda Blair. Hmm. Not Linda Blair, but Linda Blair playing (laughs) playing playing a woman. (laughs) You guys understand. Playing a very distressed (laughs) wife. Hold, she's just so concerned. Yes. Okay. So she is the distressed wife. We know that there's like something going on between her and her husband. And she's also, I think, pregnant. Pregnant, Right? They take a seat in the back of the bus by the fucking toilet. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Everyone sits in the back third of the bus. And I just wanted to remind all of them it puts them closer to the toilet. Not further away. Well, it's, they know they need to leave room for the camera crew. Like, they just instinctively are aware. That's the thing. Yeah. They're just like, That's oh. what I think when I get on a bus. Well, we need to make sure that it's a right. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'll get everybody in one shot. Yeah. Do we have the right lens? Okay, we're good. Um, so, <laughs> everyone's on the bus. And then there's also a, um, a car, like a bus. Uh, fast car. What do they call them? Speed cars. This uh, is amazing. Sports car. Sports, sports <laughs> no, they're Speed they're car. called they're called fast cars. This is how we know you're truly a public transit. <laughs> it's what the Tracy Chapman song is about. Yeah. Speed car. The, yeah. The, the fast, fast car. car. Yeah. She said speed car. <laughs> I love it. So he he's following them. It starts pouring rain. Um, the bus driver is new on this route. He has to fill in for someone. So things are just kind of like. There are also a, weird. a few other couple people. Like yeah, there's a librarian woman there um, who's actually she's played my by favorite Rue McClanahan, and um, her husband is played by Larry Linville, who you might remember from Mash, mm-hmm. um, yes. who plays like the goon from from Mash, Goober. Um, and uh, then the sports car passes them, and it's raining, and then. A guy at the prison, we, there's a, definitely a close-up shot of the prison sign. We're oh, just yeah. like, oh, yes, definitely a prison. <laughs> uh, uh, he is waiting to get on the bus and the rain. And then so the bus stops, picks him up, and he gives a look because he sees someone on the bus. There's a, like a flicker Da-da. of recognition. But then he sits down and he like opens up his book. Just or like, play it cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, so he sits down with his book and he doesn't have much with him, but he's just like kind of nervous, right? And then the um, there's a, the car that passed them, the, the speed car, uh, it pulls over to the side in front of them and he waves them down to get on the bus, right? And so that person gets on the bus and then 
the stage is set, right? And there's also um, another older dude who's sort of sleeping, and then like a sea captain-y guy yeah. in like a pea coat. There's yeah. a legit mm-hmm. sea captain in this He's spot. a sea yeah. captain. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, don't give me a murder if there's not a sea a navy captain coat, there. brass buttons, I need all of it. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, so then it's too much rain. They've got to stop. <laughs> they have to pull over at a little roadside cafe bar thing. The Cozy Corner Kitchen, all K's. Shut yeah. Up. It was not called that. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with all K's. How did I miss that? <laughs> oh, no. It's a, it's a you know, because sometimes like when people do like the two K's, you're like, well, you're pushing that envelope. <laughs> yeah. When you do the third Three. K. <laughs> now I'm wondering, what's happening at this establishment? I don't, I don't feel good front? about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's lots of questions. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's, it's not so cozy. No. <laughs> they they get out, but uh, the guy, Gilbert Stoner, who's the, the guy who comes from the prison, he stays on the bus, and everyone goes inside, and they're, like, ordering stuff. Um, and then Sheriff Tupper, like, Amos orders apple pie with cheddar Cheap. on it. A classic. You notice thing. that. Would you make that, too, with a slice of cheddar and some black coffee, please? Coming right up. Yeah, uh, the big Midwestern standard is yeah. a classic out there. People love it. I mm-hmm. don't understand it. Uh, <laughs> it comes with ice cream or just leave the pie. I don't understand what we're doing. I've no, never it, tried it, but I'm intrigued by it. If you can, if you like sweet and savory, my guess is it would be for you. Those are like my. I don't think those two things belong together at all. Keep them away and separate. Um, but yeah, it's just a big old slice of like American cheese melted right on top. Of, I don't understand. It is the best kind of cut around from you know those awkward scenes where they're trying like that they don't want to show the people eating on screen because then the people will have to eat a million times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they order the pie, both Jessica and Amos order the pie, and then literally it does like a dissolve, <laughs> and then she puts her fork down and she's like, well, that pie was delicious. A classic move. Our host is quite a baker. Yeah, could use a touch more cinnamon. Oh, and then Sharon Tupper is just like, needs more cinnamon. <laughs> and you're like, what the, f- what are these flavors, Sharon? <laughs> Maybe it didn't. Don't Maybe that cheddar. cheese doused your cinnamon, my Jesus. man. Jesus. <laughs> um, anyway, there's some argument, blah, 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 um, uh, on the bus. And then um, the yes, guy... Yes, that, that, of course, that Angela sees. Angela sees, She happens course. to glance out the window at the right time and can see directly onto the bus where two of the dudes are talking or arguing. Yes. And the thing is that, um, you know, the, the, the bus driver also is working on, on trying to fix the bus because it's kind of stalled. Something's wrong with the engine's out. And then um, Angela Lansbury, uh, sorry, Jessica Fletcher, <laughs> J.B. Fletcher gets on the bus and tries to wake up Stoner. And he's dead. Dun, 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 dun. Excuse me, sir. Sir. <gasps> And he's got a, stru- a long <laughs> screwdriver in his neck. And um, and then the she has to figure out who solved the murder. Who done it? Oh, my God. The murder is in this room right now. Yeah. Okay, if this was your first time watching this episode, which was definitely mine, who did you think was the murderer, like, at this point? Uh, the bus driver. Yes. Because there was a long shot of his yes. name. And I was like, well, they're doing that for some reason. <laughs> yes. It was one of those, like, the... 
I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to remember the name Ben Gibbons because it tells you the driver's name. And also, the driver is the dad from my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> it is. And so, and he keeps making these very concerned faces. And I'm like, that driver seems real upset about stuff. But we've also seen the people who were arguing, one of them was the guy who gets killed. And one of them was Linda Blair's husband. And so I was like, well, it can't be him, right? It's never the person that's the clearest or the, like, That's most why I was obvious. hoping it was the librarian. I was like. I would have, man, if, Rue, she, if she, it had been Rue, I would have been thrilled. She gives out the book. She's a writer. There's kind of this rule of, like, um, I think it's Law and Order, where it's the second most famous guest star who always did it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I think you could argue Rue McClanahan was the second most famous guest. So I was, like, I was kind of vibing They were giving her. her a lot of screen time. And she yeah. was, like, such a fan. I'm like, is this going to be, like, a fangirl episode? Like, like Swim Fan, where they just snap and they're like, <laughs> I got to see you do your thing and solve the crime. All uh, I kept thinking of with Rue McClanahan was because she's styled in, like, the trench coat and the big sweeping mm. scarf of the time. Yes. And she's got the short hair, which she had for big years. Glasses. And the huge glasses and I looked at her and I was like Rue McClanahan right there is the exact age that Jennifer Aniston is now and <gasps> that was rocking my mind the whole time and, <laughs> like, and that actresses have to live between the Rue McClanahan or the Jennifer Aniston either way seems exhausting to me it was very blowing my mind. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how do we how old was Angela Lansbury when the series started? Do we know? Oh, she was not very old. She was like in her early fifties. Yeah. yeah, I was like, man, we used to age people up super yeah. fast. You're like fifty, retire yeah. and start solving crime. <laughs> like, uh, this is what you can do. My go-to of this is if you watch the Mary Tyler Moore pilot, Lou Grant's like, I'm thirty-five, and you're like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> Lou Grant was never thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he was born fifty. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. That's, that's what, one of my favorite. There's like a, a show called Miracle Workers on TBS. Oh, yeah. I've been watching the second season. Uh, it's set in the mid- medieval era. And uh, Steve Buscemi plays a character. And he, in the last episode, he said something like, oh, I don't know. I'm 35. I'm getting up there. And was, <laughs> it's just like the dumbest thing. But it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> They're so good. Okay, but back to the bus. That was my B because I love talking about the uh, how they age actresses or don't let actresses age. Either way of interest to me. This is a rare episode, too, in terms of its construction where Sheriff Tupper is correct. He is yes! never. Amos is never right. It is always JB who's just like, well, now, Amos, I'm not quite sure about that. (laughs) Because there is a piece of information that we might be missing. So with Shara Tupper um, actually getting it correct... It is blowing Jessica away, I think, by the end, like, which is a reaction shot that I think that Joelle maybe noticed, yeah. too, where she's just like, oh, no. no. <laughs> My world is upended. Amos can't be right. Because, you know, we should we should specify that, like, OK, Ben Gibbons, played by Michael Constantine, the dad from My Big Fat Greek Wedding and so many other things where he plays the Greek-American. Um, <laughs> the working class. The working class yes. Greek-American. He is, like, a great character actor. He is. Very such like, a showed up for so many things kind of sells anything that he's in so uh he is accused of it because he was working with the screwdriver and the best part this is my favorite thing is that there must have been a writer who drove a fucking bus on this episode right it it was written by uh, a husband wife couple Hmm. Who wrote um, multiple episodes of this, but they were more famous for writing m- most of Heart to Heart. Um, and uh, 
some there you have to be like really knowledgeable about driving buses to know oh yeah <laughs> about why someone would suspect the bus driver because Sheriff Tupper realizes what that there's like what's the it's the damper the best is it's one of those reaction shots so they come on the bus and they're like investigating and he looks at the dashboard and he's like look do you see that and they do the like cutaway and it literally is like a large red button that says <laughs> damper stop and he's like it's someone's hit the damper stop. <laughs> I'm like, oh yes, that's where I keep my damper stop on my bus. Because like Amos knows nothing no. in the show, and he, he just happened to yeah. be a bus driver. Yeah. He's like, he's oh, one year before he started on the force. I was yeah. like, that is. It was a beautifully hokey it kind of moment. It was the most beautiful exposition line ever. Oh, yeah. Well, I drove this exact <laughs> school bus. Yeah, one, of the, one of the writers was definitely like, oh, I was a bus driver for a year, yeah. so I know all this. Yeah. Okay. Like just some random information because the damper means that if mm-hmm. that's turned on, then you can't reset the engine unless you have a very long um, uh, thin tool that can actually reach the damper reset Um and the 10 inch screwdriver would have been perfect for that. That was in somebody's neck. So, so, they use it. so it seems likely that the bus driver would have had that on him and would have stabbed him. And so that's why Sheriff Tupper puts it together. And I just love the moment where he's just like, Well, that's great, Jess, but I figured out who the murderer was 30 minutes ago. And she's yeah. like, What? what? <laughs> She's like, made us speak up, law enforcement. <laughs> I like how they sort of play these very casual, like, murder is very casual to them. It's so, so casual. funny. And the amount of people who get on the bus and are, like, looking at the dead bot. I mean, I think of, like, being on a farm and seeing, like, a dead kitten or something mm-hmm. and the weird tremor. I'm like, oh, no! and, like, I don't want to touch it at all. Like, the idea of me putting myself anywhere near a dead body on purpose and then staring. Oh, like, amazing. I love it. Rue Rue scooted her toot right onto that bus. She, she was, was like, "Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah." Don't you? Like, Rue was like, "Give me your best Rue McClanahan reacting to the murder." <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we we go to the point where Jessica's like, "No, it's not him," because. The screwdriver no that's in the neck, on it. there's no blood. I want to just say, as someone who has read a lot of Agatha Christie, I noticed that. And I kind of blamed production. I was like, man, <laughs> it's very strange if, you know, because what is it? Your carotid artery is mm-hmm. right there. Like, if he had, he would have been doused in blood, man. Was produ- was the art department asleep at the wheel or what? I, see, I was like, well, because it wasn't hadn't been pulled out yet, maybe it had, like, stopped the blood inside but once it was pulled out and like on the table I was like oh that was the other thing um law enforcement sheriff Amos freaking brings the The murder weapon inside he like grabs it with his hand and brings it inside and puts it on the table and I was like uh, I feel like chain of evidence is uh, really not in play right now. Like it was no, amazing. I mean it's Maine. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Maine. It made me laugh. I'm like, you really? It's the sheriff that's gonna make all these blunders? Okay. Yeah. Amos doesn't know anything. He <laughs> is. Smart, small town cops are frequently. Maybe yeah. Not great. Maybe this yeah. was actually a 
an expose of how they don't, they're like, <laughs> and they're like negligent and don't follow rules. It is one of my favorite things ever. Um, the, the last bonus episode that we did, I chose, because um, there's two different kinds of episodes of Murder, She Wrote. There's the ones where she's traveling and the ones that are local Cabot Cove ones. And the local Cabot Cove ones are some of my favorites, though, because Sheriff Tupper is so dumb and they constantly make fun of him. And it and like Tom Bosley is the best sport at just being like, huh, well, that's that's odd. Jess, you know, and um, and after the second season, there's a character actor that they bring in to play um, Dr. Seth Hazlitt, and the two of them become like her kind of bickering best friends, like platonic best friends who are just like these kind of idiots in town, and they're just like they're there to eat her out of house and home and to bother her and make sure that she can't hear her deadlines because they're like, oh, Jess, I got a problem, and she's like, God damn it, I've got deadlines. <laughs> the Barefoot Contessa has a very similar structure with her friend. <laughs> So the guy from the prison years earlier went to prison because he robbed a bank and with a crew and uh, one person went missing and they didn't know where he went. And uh, this guy took the the brunt of it. He he went. um, Another guy died. And um, so everyone's kind of wondering what's going on with this guy. What did he have? Like, so this. This dude thinks that he can recover the money. So That's right, because the money was never found. Yeah, the money was never found. So like he this guy thinks that he can recover the money, which means that there are other people on this bus who might also think that they could recover the money. So there's like a big motive to kill this guy. But also, you know, the guy who was arguing with him, of course, he's uh he's the son of one of the guy's partners and he wants his share of the money. Oh, Linda Blair's husband. And don't they sort of figure that out because they, they're they like, oh, here's a picture of him. That's you right, look he was too in the, much like that guy. He was in the newspaper. There was a picture in the newspaper of the three original heisters. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh, Linda Blair's husband, not what they call him, but Linda Blair's <laughs> husband looks a lot like one of these guys. And he's like, he was my father. Yeah. Like, good thing for you. You look just alike. Speaking to what Joel was saying earlier, like, you have to set it up so all the information they need is somehow here in yeah. this yeah. room, mm-hmm. but also just enough stuff they don't need. It's it's a very like contrived setup, but I do like that's why I love it. Yeah, like, yeah. It is so nice because now you'd be like, you get your phone out and you <laughs> would look up the arrest records. I would look up whatever, and it changed. I could look up everyone on the bus practically. I was gonna like, say for the, if. If there was the kind of bus where you're buying your tickets in advance, there's probably like an itinerary of like everybody who's on the bus and your seat numbers and things like that. But the it there's also something about like as a person who frequently rides public transit, the idea of getting to know anybody who possibly like I would be like I'm gonna be over here until the police come. Like I don't know who Uh, you are, lady. The the lack of needing a lawyer and the fact that everyone just admits to it. The guy in the peacoat. Eventually, I'm jumping ahead. I'm so sorry. But, like, one of the guys who suspected the captain, they find out his secret, and he's just like, yep, that's the truth. And I'm like, why would you? You have, they have no evidence. This yeah, is all they, just pondering. They no. find out his secret through some true Encyclopedia Brown logic, <laughs> yes. too, which is like, well, if you were a real sailor, you wouldn't have tied oh, a granny knot. <laughs> yes. I think you can drop the pretense of being a sailor. A real sailor would have tied a square knot, not a granny, as you did. Because he has to. Okay, so the sailor has to um, uh, uh, stave off uh, or staunt the the blood from the uh, insurance guy 
who was trying to recover the the money because he got shot in the dark when the lights. <laughs> oh yeah, right. The gun. Yes! The gun goes askew. The gun goes askew. He gets shot. So the sailor guy has to help him. So he's tying the knot and Jess is just watching with that one raised eyebrow. And then she's just like, but you're not a sailor. If you were a true sailor, you would have not tied a granny knot. Um, That was such a, to me, like you're saying, the Agatha Christie of it. Those details and that specificity is so Agatha Christie. Like, she's very good. And it's made, because I loved well, I watched Murder, She Wrote growing up, and I also read, like, all of the... I consumed those. And it made me someone who's always, like, on the lookout for, like, what kind of knot did they tie? Yeah. No, that shit never matters in real <laughs> life. Like, the amount of times that I'm convinced that I've, like, noted something of importance or whatever, never, ever matters. But I'm always like, ooh, it's gonna... I'm good You're to like know. You're like a mentalist, you know? Yeah. Like, you could really do that. I'm a, yeah, an unmentalist. <laughs> I make sure to read the name of a bus driver every time I get on a bus, just in case there's oh. a murder. You know, <laughs> or just, also, just in case. I'm also trying to gauge people's heights all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, I know, I'm going to know how tall they were. I'm going to know if someone like, asks me. The opposite. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> I'm never. I'm never going to remember that. I have like a You're kind gonna of. You're going to be with Joe on the back, trying to just stay out of it. I have no desire to be subpoenaed or anything. I just tell the officer what I did. Please let me go home now. <laughs> Don't want to mess in any of this. Mm-mm. But my mother is definitely the exact opposite. Where she'll be like outside her window. She's like, I've never seen this person before. I'm like, maybe they're just walking up the block. She's like, but why? Who are they here to see? I'm like, I don't know, mommy. They're just walking. God. But she's she's like on it 100 percent of the time. So you know, she'll be aware. She's a regular JB, is what yes, you're saying. Absolutely. So um, more about this episode. Um, we we realized that um, you know. JB is trying to figure out all of these things, but she ends up going back to the bus driver. And because that name, that name sticks in her head, and she read that newspaper clipping that said where, you don't know, where the guy is just like, oh, yeah, you look like this is your dad. Um, And she's like, oh, there was a girl who died as well. And she recognized the name. During the robbery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Gibbons. And. (gasps) Oh, my God. It's like they showed us his name on purpose. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, they showed us the name Gibbons. We knew it was Gibbons. And then Jess was just like, fuck, Amos was right. Oh, no. She has to apologize. It's clearly painful for her. Not only that, but you were right all along. And forgive me for not seeing it. I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't understand. No, it's true. That's the first time. So they he's the suspect. He's the first suspect because the, it's the, like, very specific 10-inch uh, screwdriver. Yep. And she notices the name, and, and he confesses right away, right? Like, the bus driver confesses. He's like, I did it. He killed my daughter. I yeah. was furious. And yeah. I saw him on the bus, and I was so mad. And I, I, I even switched routes so I could drive. I saw he was being released. That's how they find out about the newspaper yeah. in the first place. and Because it's earlier in the episode yeah. that we're discussing. <laughs> and so th- he's like, I did it. And then Jessica clears him because she notes that there's not 
got any blood he's strangled. around it. Yeah, yeah. They. She's like, oh, actually, cause I they, noticed dirt. Yeah, there's. I noticed dirt, and he has some like Grease. ligature mark. Yeah, and so she's like, it actually wasn't the bus driver because he was already dead. Which I was like, oh, this is like a twist on the Orient Express when like yeah, all they of these all people. I was like, did everybody on this bus death <laughs> or I, kill this guy? I think that that's probably what they thought the audience would think though because yeah. the murder on the Orient Express was just so popular. I mean, mm. like one the Sidney Lumet movie and then the book itself and one of the things I love about 70s 80s television is the people who were watching it and making it had such literacy about like all these old movies because mm-hmm. they just endlessly played on television, they endlessly played in rep and like it feels like now references to movies are like the same 20 movies roughly yeah. Uh, and this is just like it's riffing on like six or seven different classic movies and it's using those expectations against you and that's um, that's a really like fascinating way to construct this story. What was your experience level coming in watching Murder, She Wrote by the way? Earlier this year I asked my Twitter followers if I should binge watch the show and they were like yes and I did it for like two or three days and then stopped because work got busy Yeah, but watching this episode made me want to go Back, I watched maybe four or five episodes after this, just letting it like run through, just mm-hmm. to get a sense of like tone and everything. And it, because I didn't grow up watching this show at all, uh, is not uh, on either of my parents' repertoire, so it mm-hmm. did not get played on the TV we had. Um, but I really enjoy watching Angela Lansbury. She just has the kind of face that's easy to fall in love with. Um, we've been remarking a lot on the way she reacts to things. It kind of puts a giggle in your heart, and then. As you're watching the show about murder, it's so light. And I couldn't help think, I'm like, I'm a big fan of um, My Favorite Murder, which is a podcast that has spanned mm-hmm. like a ton of murderinos and these ladies who are interested in murder and like specifically in like who commits it and why and how did it get solved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, is this early murderinos? <laughs> like, was this what we had oh, from the Murder She Wrote Heads? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the idea of them like kind of getting into crime. And then I think that would span very easily into Law and Order, specifically SVU, which is mm-hmm. a crazy amount of lady fans who are just very into it. And I started thinking about like how that fandom has changed and evolved. And now I'm like very intrigued to talk to people who were original fans and their journeys through these kinds of um, touchstone murder projects and and specifically the way they contrast the dark, heinous crimes with this very like light, bubbly spirit around it. To see them just so blase being like, I don't know, like, she's like sipping tea and solving crime. There's something very romantic and amazing about it. Well, there's, I mean... Back in the 80s, you know, you still had a lot of people who were in- invested in the cozy mystery. Mm-hmm. And you, you have that now, too. And so, you know, she this show is really kind of the embodiment of what a cozy mystery is, where you like feel like you can curl up with a warm cup of hot chocolate and watch it and think about murder. Miss you know, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries is one of my favorite so shows. Yeah, bring it, and, and they bring it back. It's that same vibe yeah. and one of the things that i appreciate about that show too and something that, that i think about pretty consistently is that the murder show changed uh, inherently when people started learning more about forensics so when mm. forensic files debuted and when some other shows debuted people started going away from a cozy because they actually wanted the science they didn't they didn't yeah. want the kind of what you guys are talking about the limited information of a person who just happens to know something about a fucking knot you know they they <laughs> wanted they wanted sheriff tupper to 
to bag it and tag it and like and and to run fingerprints and they want to see the fingerprints and so that mm-hmm. changed a lot of things um you know uh svu is a show that actually sometimes bridges those uh, law and order sometimes bridges the cozy with the procedural because they do have characters they do have character actors and these these interesting things where someone is just knowledgeable and doing the footwork uh, not just the science behind it but you know CSI started to dominate things and and mm-hmm. and it really kind of took precedence and that's really sad to me because that means that you're losing a huge huge audience of these old cozy mysteries but they're coming back and the way that they're coming back is through period pieces yeah. because it's real yeah, hard Fisher's to do. Yeah, set right after the First World War. Yeah, and and you can still do a cozy then because they actually didn't have that much knowledge of how to to science things through, you yeah. know? Don't you kind of want to see Sheriff Tupper with a giant crime lab, though? Wouldn't that just so be like curious. knocking over oh beakers? Oh, my God, can you imagine? <laughs> Wait, also... Emily, were you a Murder, She Wrote fan growing up? Uh, I uh, lived near both sets of my grandparents, so I was around old white people a lot, so I watched a fair amount of Murder, She Wrote <laughs> Not to 80s. brag. Uh, yeah, not to brag. Huh? <laughs> um, I had not watched it since then, though. Like I have, n- I, It was one of those things when I worked at the AV Club, uh, I was always like, I had many times when I would watch a lot of a show and then write about it. I, Murder, She Wrote was always on the list of things I was going to do and then I left the AV club and it just it just never happened and uh, when uh, they were going to do that that reboot with Octavia Spencer uh, that ultimately died that was like kind of going to be my window into okay I'm going to talk about Murder, She Wrote at Vox. And then that died. So Is it too late to do that? Wait, uh, Octavia Spencer was going to do a I mean, Murder, She Wrote? Like, like Angela Lansbury like cursed it from afar. Oh, no. Like, and the thing is, like they tried to make it more realistic. And I don't think you can do a realistic oh, Murder, She Wrote. That's not right. yeah. pleasant. Angela Lansbury was right. That's a that's a shirt that I'm going to wear. Just like <laughs> Angela Lansbury was right. It's This one you might not be able to reboot unless you did a period piece mm. with it. Like, well, I was going to say, because you had spoken earlier about uh, period pieces being able to bring back the genre. I think we get a little bit of the genre in Knives Out, which is definitely stays in modern, but by mm-hmm. kind of having it at a big house away from mm-hmm. the population is able to do that sort of uh, closed room uh, element of it. And I'm wondering if we'll be able to see a resurgence through that, because I feel like that had like a lot of fans. I think the mm-hmm. thing that made Knives Out work was it was a family story. Yeah. And like it's about family secrets, which inherently aren't going to be online. So they have yeah. to be puzzled out through the detectives. Yeah. But there is, I like the idea of the, the coziness combined with um, tactile and tangible clues of, like, last night uh, for a friend's birthday, we got a, um, you can buy these games that are, it's an unsolved crime, and it comes in an evidence bag, and you open it, and it's like the case file, and it has, like, um, witness statements and interviews with the detective mm-hmm. and the crime scene photos and maps and all these things. And there's, like, three stages. It was so fun. I want to do a D&D it. campaign this way. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'll send it to you. But, but part of the fun of it is... We all, like, I was off my phone for three hours because we're all pouring over. Like, it literally comes with a magnifying glass, Ooh. and you're not sure. And we're, like, looking at um, the license plate numbers and read it. And there's newspaper clippings, and there's something about shows that on the other side of all of this forensic stuff, there's something so wonderful about clues, about knowing the knot or, you know, paying attention to the... 
this the family resemblance in this photo maybe Detective this guy work, is you a know? suspect. <laughs> I think <laughs> the pendulum swung so far toward trying to understand crime and trying to understand evil. And now we're just like, well, I kind of just want to have a situation where somebody just snapped, you know? And like mm. there's a clue that explains why they snapped and their motive is very clear cut like there's a there is a, a coziness to that idea of like, oh, there's always a reason and you can always explain it. And maybe it's a bad thing, but also like it was atypical. Yeah. It is a violation of the norm mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh, there are horrible things happening around yeah. us all uh, the time. Yeah, because we, we started becoming obsessed with serial killers in yeah. the 80s. Yeah. And uh, and after that, it was just kind of, you know, like serial killer this, serial killer. If you remember like the 90s, a lot of those movies, thrillers revolved around like some kind of serial killer that, that Ashley Judd yeah. had to track down or that, you know. It was always Seven actually just a good example of that. Should we tell what the actual killer like finale was? Yeah, like as we wrap up slowly, yeah. we should. I just I feel like people need to know. It's like we've all been on this bus together. So you guys remember that there was grease on the the stoner's yeah, collar, absolutely. right? Indeed. And so Jess comes back around and she's like, "Amos, you were correct." I noted that grease around his collar, and the only way it could have gotten from, you know, uh, to his shirt, because his shirt was clean when we saw him. Everything was clean. He got, like, a new suit because he just left prison. The only way it could have gotten around his collar is if someone who had very greasy hands strangled him. And that greasy strangler was the bus driver and he covered up his tracks he because he was like oh they're gonna know i strangle him so i'm gonna do this and like throw them off the trail by stabbing him killing him twice so they'll 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 know because he knew that he would be exonerated when the uh, coroner found that he was actually strangled my favorite line of dialogue in this episode is when michael constantine looks really sheepish and then says and that's when i knew i had to stab him with the screwdriver (laughs) (laughs) that's when I knew I had to stab him in the neck with the screwdriver. What? And literally they cut to Amos being like, what? And I like that he did that as a way to frame because he also knew that the guy nobody knew was part of the crime was there. Yeah. And he knew that I guess there was an itinerary because he was like, listen, the police are going to come and investigate. They're going to think it's that guy because he's going to be after the treasure. So I have to stab him so it looks like the other guy did it. I was like, sir, there you probably could have just left him strangled and had a much better pass on that. I don't know. But they're because they're also going to investigate you. It was because the strangling had grease on it and he was the only one who was greasy. Yeah. Whereas he could excuse the grease with the stabbing to be like, I held his neck oh, as I okay. stabbed so him. So he noticed the grease and was yeah. like, okay, okay. So right. he was doing that to kind of cover his tracks with like, oh, I knew that there was my presence yeah. on him. So if I stab him, but I know that someone will figure out that the stabbing wasn't what actually killed him. So maybe they'll think somebody else entirely was the one who choked him. Yeah. Another, like another reason this could just not work today is he would have had some hand sanitizer. He would have just right? like washed his hands mm-hmm. right then and there. Yeah. Then and done. It's Gotten just... some gloves. <laughs> I mean... Or he should have done the most masculine thing and been like, fellas, come look at this engine. And then everyone would have gotten grease yes. on them and he would have been completely exonerated. <laughs> he was, it was a Ruther crime got of passion. Engine too. You know, yeah. it was a crime of passion. He couldn't control himself. He had to kill this man who murdered his he little He murdered his girl. daughter's the sweetest girl who ever lived. And I believed him. Michael Constantine is such he a great actor that, that I believe him. Sad I believe that he was grief-stricken. And, that he, and again, one of the best things about this show, too, is that a lot of these killers, they, like, 
you sympathize with them. There's great yeah. empathy with who they are and what they're going and struggling through. And I, I don't think that Jess gets a sick satisfaction out of uncovering the murder. She mm. feels it is her fucking duty. And it is a there's only one episode where she's just kind of like, I don't know if I want to solve this. <laughs> That's actually another good um, point that differs from modern like forensic shows because those there's such an evil to the people yeah. who are perpetrating things right we assume evil we're like oh they're so evil and they're re- doing it for things and it's not set up so that you're always sympathetic or it's like there's like the serial killer who's like literally starts like teasing the specific officer or whatever yeah. but with murder she wrote and the coziness it's that it is more complicated than that and that you have um uh, sympathy or a soft thought for whoever was in that situation. And I think like crimes rarely occur like they do in cozy murder mysteries where there's an ob- absolute solution and absolute clues, but they rarely are like done by purely evil people. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. like most crimes fall somewhere in the middle. Like mm-hmm. there is a human element to the cozy mystery that the forensic mystery just loses. Yeah, is it, it's it's just a weird thing, you know, like a the way that our storytelling has changed and the things that we like. And, and I don't know that it's changed for the better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that this kind of like lack of humanity in certain things is, is kind of driving us. And maybe that is all, you know, what you're talking about with technology, looking things up, this desire to know, this desire to make things black and white. And the cozy mystery doesn't do that. It I, resists it actively. I, th- I think it's part of a larger cultural shift in like suspecting people who aren't us Mm -hmm. and who aren't of our tribe or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like this is set in a world that's on the tail end of like this sort of communal nature of living. Like Mm. you can't really take a bus between small towns anymore. Like that's in in the, in the, in in the Northeast when I was living in Connecticut, (laughs) a small town of nothing in Connecticut for a little while, um, they do have buses that go between Mm. those small towns because a lot of people don't have cars. Do all of those buses stop at a prison or just some of them? They, I, they would, is the they thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, well, if you think about where prisons typically are located, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. or like just town adjacent, so the town becomes the, the uh, basically the employees that support and keep the prison running. I know there's a lot of places like that in Illinois. We've just got giant prison industrials in the yeah. middle of like farm country. You're ruining yeah, how but, funny I found it. I'm so sorry. I, know. I, brought, I did it again. I brought the reality in. But it was, keep it cozy. It is a, it's a kind of a northeast thing. And it, it is like, you know, one of the best locations for a fucking cozy because of that. Because of these these small communities that are actually communities there. And there's there's not a there's not a kind of disconnect yet. Like they mm-hmm. care. Some of my favorite Murder, She Wrote episodes and one that I almost chose is... Um, uh, uh, Peabody died here, maybe, or something. I can't remember the, but there's a, you know, an entire lore about this guy Peabody in Cabot Cove and the fact that he was kind of like a revolutionary war hero who founded the town of Cabot Cove. And so it's, it's a thing where the community comes together and they try to preserve his legacy at the same time that they try to fight off wealthy developers who are trying to change their, their community. And so there's always a kind of sense of just like, we're stronger together, like, Let's do this together. And I like I like the fact that, you know, there's a bus and <laughs> that's that's my big takeaway is like there's a bus. So any any <laughs> any questions, any, you know, as we wrap up this episode, what do you think you learned about or from Murder, She Wrote? Well, I know how to t- I used to teach sailing and I know how to do a square knot and a granny knot. And now I know. Someone's going to be watching when I implement each of those knots. Oh, yeah. So that's my big takeaway is really make sure 
that what I'm communicating with my knot tying matches the story I've been telling people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Make sure make sure you're tying the right knots in front of curious widows. Yes. Uh, oh, always. <laughs> um, I learned that uh, if you have an opportunity to get to a raffle, get to a raffle because at the end of this episode, <laughs> Angela wins that big screen TV. But she doesn't the get Sheriff to get it she wasn't there. Not there. Like she wasn't even the one. Sheriff Tupper was just like, oh, I'm going to win that big screen TV. And then he's just like, well, you won, Jess. And she's like, Motherfucker. <laughs> Her end reaction is like, what a world we live in. It's just <laughs> such a wild place. Oh, so <laughs> wild. I can't even believe he's thinking you just solved a murder. Aren't you tired? It's just so funny. I it's love a this great, show. It's the best beat because it ends on her face like, what? what? It's like, so wonderful. It may be the perfect. You were talking earlier, Emily, about like, is this the perfect TV show? And I think there are arguments made for this is the perfect rainy day TV show. Yes. Oh, my God. Because it's not going to overpower the rain. Like, as far as like loud sound effects or even like attention drawing like you can watch leisurely and enjoy with your hot cup of coffee or tea or cocoa and just listen to the rain and watch Angela solve crimes and it's just perfect state of bliss like I really look forward to diving into this show like on a day when I have absolutely nothing to do and I don't want anyone to bother me because it's gonna be perfect oh yeah if there's somehow ever a blizzard in Los Angeles yeah I mean I mean like the city will like devour itself whole, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I will be watching Murder She Wrote while that happens. It's a really good plan um, when the apocalypse comes. I, what I took away from this is like it had it was such a it had so much atmosphere, mm-hmm. and like I was really impressed with the way they created kind of this blustery New England early spring day on what was pretty yeah. clearly like an LA backlot. Yeah, like it just was beautiful. Hello, Walter Grauman. That um, man, he's a fucking genius. But he's also so now good. I know where to hide my safety deposit keys. So <laughs> yes. it's, it's such a great thing. The, yeah, like if I were a child watching this again, like I can't remember, but if I had like a diary, I probably had like it probably hid something in my fucking <laughs> oh, bind sure. of the binding of the book. You got to go home and find that diary and see what you hid. Oh my god, I really, I literally only wrote mystery novels in my diary. I didn't, I never wrote confessions. It was just like, and then he hid the drugs here. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you guys again so much for coming out on a Sunday to talk with me about Murder, She Wrote, and I hope that it leads you on a path of even more delightful murders um, uh, coming up ahead. That's so sweet. It's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. I hope we're also all on this path of delightful murders. Yes. Every murder should be Every a murder. delight. Yeah. And I want to thank all of our listeners of Switchblade Sisters for tuning in, and I hope that we gave you some food for thought for this uh, lovely day you're listening to it. Um, and thank you so much. We do the show for you, and uh, this is our little thank you for that. I hope we give you some kind of enjoyment, and maybe you uh, go and watch some uh, Murder, She Wrote, too. Thanks, guys. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported